0: Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we connect with marathon swimmers around the world to find out how they got started, what makes them tick, and why they keep going. It's where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers, the connections that we have with each other, our support crew, and the waters we cross. If you've ever stood at the edge of a body of water and wondered what it would be like to swim to the other side, you're in good company. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, water relationship coach, and founder of Intrepid Water, where I virtually teach swimming freedom. Freedom to get started, shed the confines of the pool, or your preconceived notions of what's possible. Find out more at IntrepidWater.com. Hello and Happy New Year, Marathon Swim Stories listeners. I'm excited to share this episode with you today. I've had a few people ask me for more information about my 22-hour swim in Lake George last August, and I am pleased that my Swim Mastery coach colleague, Melissa Donaldson stepped into the role of interviewer today, and we were also joined by my swim coach, the Swim Mastery co-founder, Tracy Bauman, to tell you a little bit about training and preparation for that 22-hour swim last year. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. You can drop me an email. Shannon at IntrepidWater.com. And if you stay tuned till the end of the episode, I'll tell you a little bit more about Swim Mastery and how you can find a coach near you or some of the virtual programs that I run. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories podcast. I'm Melissa Donaldson. I'm an executive coach and leadership development consultant. And with me today, I have Shannon Keegan. She's the founder of Intrepid Water, an organization inspiring curious swimmers to find out what they're capable of. I also have Tracy Bauman, the founder of Swim Mastery, uh, an organization dedicated to building a community of swim coaches and swimmers across the globe. Most of you would know this podcast as being Shannon's podcast, but today the roles are a little reversed and I'll be interviewing Shannon and her coach, Tracy, about Shannon's successful Lake George swim crossing late last year. Welcome to both of you. I'm really excited to be here with you. It's gonna be awesome. So, thank you,
0: Melissa, for being the Thank host. you for having <laughs> us.
1: Yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. So Shannon, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts now, and I, I love the question that you start off in those podcasts with. So I thought I might ask that of each of you, starting with you, Shannon. How would you describe your relationship with the water?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, I love the water. I don't know what I would do without it. But what amazes me all the time is how hard it can be to go to it sometimes, Mm -hmm. even though I know it'll be the afterwards will be amazing, the the hurdle. But I could, as far as I can tell, I could be in it all day (laughs) and night. And I think it's an amazing medium to stretch your mind and your body. And I can't wait to do a lot more of that in my life. Thanks so much, Shannon.
1: How about you, Tracy? How would you describe your relationship with the water?
2: The water gives me peace is the way I would think about it. If I'm in water, I'm in my happy place and I can just be. And that's whether I'm swimming or even just chilling out in water. Um, I'm a water baby.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thanks very much for both joining me. Um, Shannon, really excited to hear about your latest conquest, um, which happened in August last year, and this was your Lake George swim. So I wanted to kick off and just ask you why Lake George and why that swim as a starting question.
0: It's a good question. I lived on the East Coast for a little while. I'm now based on the West Coast of the U.S. in Southern Oregon, but I lived in um, Northern Vermont for many years. And at the end of my time in Vermont, we did about a year. My husband had a job in upstate New York in Watertown. And I was at the very beginning of my open water exploration and I Found out about a 10K swim in the Adirondacks, and this sounded like a beautiful lake called Lake George. And I ventured over to the swim on my own. I think my husband was on call. He was always on call, seemed like when we, when we were living there. And I remember the drive, and, and it was just I mean, the swim itself was just a buoy course, 10K buoy course. But I remember the like driving. In the rural New York roads, and then going climbing up into the mountains, and then coming down and seeing the lake, and well, seeing a very small bit of the lake (laughs) because you can't see the whole thing because it's very long and very skinny. And the swim itself wasn't anything to write home about, but I mean, the water's gorgeous and it's a beautiful place. And I remember that uh, since moving out west, where the water is sometimes harder to find, natural lakes are much. Further away, um, I would say we we have them in Oregon. They're just further up in the mountains than them where I am, and the water tends to go down by late summer when you're kind of in prime swimming time. I, so I always think about swimming out east because sometimes we have fire season out here. Mm-hmm. So when when I'm planning for a swimming year, sometimes it just makes sense to bring my family out where there's less smoke or drought. Or <laughs> so we just kind of go to a place where there's where there's water. And I had heard about Carolyn Block's Lake George swim. She did a double Lake George swim, uh, I think, during 2020, the pandemic year. She was able to put that together. And just in talking to her about it, it sounded and reading her write up about it, it just it sounded like a nice and neat swim as a busy mom, knowing someone who has the connection to recommend a pilot. And I know people in the area, like all of these things are huge benefits. It wasn't going to be something I had to make up on my own. I love the idea of making up my own swim, maybe someday in the future. But at the time, at this time of stage of my life, knowing who to call that I can say, tell them when to meet them is a huge benefit. So um, I think that was, between those things basically between having having been there and having heard about it, ha- it knowing it had a swimmable a swimmable route and being inspired enough to just go go try it out that would be that would be why thank
1: you for sharing that I I had the good fortune to go to the Adirondacks maybe about four years ago and the lakes in that area I'm not sure if you've ever been there Tracy are some of the most beautiful that I've I've seen so yeah. I can totally understand yeah.
2: that. I haven't been all the way up there, but I've spent a number of weeks in New Paltz and around Lake Winawaska and stuff. I know it's a little bit further south, but it's beautiful in that area. Yeah. Upstate New York. So for people who
1: don't know distances, who might be kind of new to marathon swimming and trying to understand Lake George, what is that? From end to end, what was the distance of Lake George that you had?
0: 32 miles, I think, is how it's billed. So it's about 15 30. kilometers. Uh,
1: uh, thank you for the conversion because that kind of helps people from who use a metric set um, system to understand what you were talking about. And Shannon, what was the furthest that you'd swum before Lake George in terms of distances in lakes or bodies of water?
0: Yeah, prior the year prior I had done, I think it was 26 or 27 miles in Lake Tahoe, which is our one of our beautiful... Pristine lakes out west, down in uh, the on the California Nevada border. The length of Lake Tahoe is a 21 mile swim, which I'd done in 2019, and in 2021 I had connected a couple routes of the, uh, the true width, which is 12 miles. And, um, there was a three mile connector. And then I did the Vikings home swim for, if people are familiar with the Tahoe routes to complete the triple crown of Lake Tahoe, I figured I didn't need to maybe do it. There's so many places to swim. I wasn't going to go back three times if I could just do two at once. <laughs> it's efficiency <laughs> mindset. I don't know.
2: <laughs> makes perfect oh. sense to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So um, I had done that in um in 2021. And so the a 32 mile swim seemed seemed within reach for the next year.
1: Yeah, nice. I don't know an awful lot about marathon swimming, but from doing some research and reading some things that you've written, I'm familiar that marathon swimmers speak about these step-up distances. For those of us that might be a little bit new to marathon swimming, what's that about and what's the importance of having step up distances as a marathon swimmer?
0: Yeah, it, it's extremely beneficial. I talk to my swimmers that I coach about, at the end of the day, I think swimming distance has a lot to do about with trusting yourself and, and being open to experiencing the highs and the lows and all of the Mental contortions that we go through in a marathon swim, but I speak to my swimmers about the having building the the confidence of experience, um, and so kind of climbing the ladder. I think is how Phil White calls it in his Kingdom swims in Vermont, where he has a one mile and a three mile and a six mile. So those kinds of events where people can go and they can kind of test their metal at different distances gives them the confidence of experience, um, and so I think part of that is. Learning that that you can go further than you thought that you could. but I think another aspect of that is figuring out how to, I guess train for various distances and realizing that there's a point where you can't necessarily <laughs> swim enough <laughs> to think that you're prepared and and that getting to that point where you realize that you that you are prepared and you trust yourself. It, no matter what kind of comes at you, you trust your stroke, you trust your feed plan, you trust, you know, and that you're just going to try for something big, big, crazy, you know, in business, we call it the the hag, right? The big hairy audacious goal, but it you go. know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, it's similar. I think in swimming, you kind of, you, you get to where you trust your team and you go for something kind of big and crazy.
1: Yeah. So the preparation going further than you think you could gaining the confidence. Anything in addition or similar that you would add, Tracy, from your experience as a master coach of marathon swimmers and other distance swimmers?
2: Well, for me, it's all about um, the swimmer's technique and are they prepared? Have they done enough practice? Is their stroke safe? Is their stroke going to see them through all the training that they have to do in preparation for the swim and is it going to see them through the swim?
1: So to use your phrase, Shannon, you set this big, hairy, audacious goal of swimming Lake George. So your goal is to swim 32 miles or 51 kilometers of Lake George. Is that your intention when you set this goal?
0: Well, that would have been the logical choice as in (laughs) like the next step up the ladder. But I had the idea to go bigger. So, in the actual big, hairy, audacious goal, I thought I I would try to do what Carolyn did in 2020 and try to make it back to the start. I know from my experience in Tahoe and Lake from Magog, the boat ride back isn't always um, that fun. <laughs> Getting picked up in a car when you're covered in desitin, like there's lots of aspects to the logistics of planning that make going back to the start just kind of seem like almost logical. I should say too though that when I swam Lake Mint for Magog in I guess in 2019, when I was on the boat back from Magog. So I swam from Newport Vermont to Magog, Quebec. And when I got on the boat to go back, the whole time I was on the boat, I was like, I should be swimming right now. I think I should I think I could, I think I could have turned around, even though it was hard and all the everything that I knew that it was, I still thought that I maybe could turn around. So that was a little clue to me too, that there maybe was a little bit more. That I could do
1: so let me get this right so you in your mind say Lake George is 32 miles but the boat ride back's not that much fun so I might actually swim 64 miles which is 102 kilometers and I did a swim once and I thought I had more to give so I'm going to double it and that will be my goal for the swim
0: yep <laughs>
1: excellent <laughs> amazing absolutely incredible and then I know that at some point during this setting of the goal, you decided that you would have a, col- a coach, and you had you haven't had a coach for a long time. So, what was your process in selecting a coach? And we know that Tracy became your coach. Why Tracy?
0: I think you know choosing a coach is it's a it's a very personal decision. I I completely understand why some people don't even have coaches because it feels like it's not necessary. Like, oh, I can look up training plans online. I can figure stuff, you know, you don't, nobody, you don't necessarily think that you need a coach. But when I, I just kind of got to a place where the shoulder issues that I was having. And once I did the swim mastery fundamentals coach training, and I saw what I could actually change my stroke into and having met Tracy and just feeling like she really understood at least what my potential was in the water and that she could guide me in that it was just kind of maybe just a perfect storm of of like wow this is this is what i need right now this is this is what mm-hmm. i need to to try to go for something big and crazy
1: and when you say shoulder issues were you experiencing some sort of shoulder pain with swimming what was that about
0: yeah so i mean through my i think i've been 12 years of marathon swimming now that i i kind of always had this routine where you uh, you build up and you do your swim and then i'd kick back and not do much for a month or two because you feel accomplished. <laughs> and then I would do this build back to basics as how I would teach my swimmers and you uh, come back to some fundamental what I was considering fundamental skills at the time. And when I did went to go do that after my Tahoe tour, I wasn't able to shake the the shoulder pain that I was getting. It I, I have AC joint arthritis. Um, and one of my shoulders really, really bad, and and otherwise, I mean, I would always kind of just feel some kind of discomfort. Sometimes even on long swims, and you know, maybe you would take a, an Advil or whatever, and just keep swimming or adjust your stroke. I could maybe kind of feel a little bit where I could tune it, but I didn't know until I took Swim Mastery Fundamentals course so that you could actually swim and not have shoulder pain if you if you actually connect your, your arm to your torso. So, um, that was a big awakening for me that I Mm -hmm. could swim pain-free and not need medication (laughs) to, to, to try to surmount shoulder discomfort.
1: And I can imagine a lot of the listeners to your podcast understand what it's like to feel that sort of shoulder pain and try different things to try to come to terms with it. So here we are. You've set this big, hairy, audacious goal of swimming 100 kilometers, a double crossing of Lake George. You've discovered swim mastery and Tracy Bowman. And then you approach Tracy and tell her of your goal and of your shoulder pain. And over to you, Tracy. You get this message, <laughs> and what happens then for you?
2: Well, it wasn't on a message, it was on a call. <laughs> so I, I had to act in the moment. Um, and I think what I did say was, "Wow, I think that's okay. I think that's achievable. Let's give it a go." I said, and I and I remember saying and and following up with, "I will commit to work with you towards this really big goal if we can build some trust between each other." And I think that you know that that was really what the the whole relationship was based on that first conversation and you know Shannon contacting me and putting her trust in me that, to say that she wanted to do this goal. I think was, you know, that was quite a big thing for her to do, even just saying that and then, you know, taking that forward into the the coaching program that followed. I was impressed. It, and was, it was awesome. I was excited.
1: And what was your approach, Tracy, in terms of helping Shannon to achieve the goal that she'd set for herself? What was the coaching approach that you used?
2: To help her to understand her body and to be able to change her stroke, And know why she was changing her stroke, and know how she was changing her stroke, so that by the time she came to the swim, she had a whole load, or you know, a whole box of strategies that she could turn to during the swim when things may or may not get tough or pain may or may not arise. So for me, it was about it was a learning program and just helping her with her learning program of her own body, really.
1: And and Shannon, how did the conversations you and Tracy had? influence the way you trained for this swim compared to the way you might have trained for other swims? What did you do the same or differently?
0: I think my intention, I can't I'm trying to think how many times Tracy was like, well, I probably should look at your training plan. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably have a training plan for you to look at. <laughs> <laughs> next thing you know it's August. Nonetheless. Um <laughs> my, <laughs> my um Even prior to Swim Mastery, I've always thought technique should be the guiding light and that for marathon swimmers, you shouldn't be trying to swim incredibly long distances just because it seems like a really great idea. You, You should be swimming efficiently. So I had always done a Uh, two days a week of technique work and a week, a day a week where I maybe push distance. Just, I talked to my swimmers about just kind of going through some of the mental flow (laughs) of, of kind of letting, you know, letting your mind go. So you're not clinging to whatever your next set is or whatever, just like having some day where you really just kind of pushing yourself. So, when Tracy suggested that you know that we were that I you know it kind of changed my swimming over to where my I was didn't look at the clock at all ever, which was a nice switch up after forty years, to um, focusing a lot more on cues and eventually bringing in some some tempo work and just exploring different aspects of my stroke at different tempos and while focusing on different cues. I think what changed is that I never ended up having a day to put to put any distance under my belt. My life's busy <laughs> with two little kids and uh, business, and I and I guess I wasn't maybe even cutting out the time as much as I as I as I could or should have. But um, I think what was different was just that my work, my training, ended up being solely technique focused. I can remember maybe a day in April and a day in May where I maybe got up to 6K in the pool just because I was doing a longer tempo pyramids back to back or something. But I, it was um, the any amount of distance was pretty infrequent in my training this last time around.
1: So less focus on distance, less focus on time. And a few times there, and it may be my naivety, you mentioned this word cues. Can you elaborate or Tracy, can you elaborate on what cues are? (laughs) (laughs) Tracy, why does Shannon keep using this word cues and what are they?
2: Well, we use these a lot when we're coaching our swimmers so that they can stay focused on one element of the stroke. So typically I'll give my swimmers three cues per swim session for them to go away and just circle round, we find that when the when the mind is more focused, the motor learning is is accelerated, and um, so everything that we do in the pool is associated and connected with cues, depending on the level of the swimmer.
1: Is that how it was for you, Shannon? Mm. Did the cue so- thing do what Tracy said it was meant to do?
0: Well, that was, I guess, that was where with Tracy's prompting and with, I mean. I don't know if we've mentioned it, but Tracy and I have never met in person. We were working virtually. Oh, wow! Whole time. Still haven't met in person. <laughs> Still haven't met in
2: person. <laughs>
0: oh, that's so, great.
1: So how how did the coaching happen then? What did Tracy do, and then how did you do what Tracy wanted you to do? Can you help us understand kind of the step by step process by which you engaged from a coaching perspective in a virtual way?
0: Yeah, I think I had. I was exploring Coach Now for my own swimmers as a platform for hosting content and supporting reversible virtual, virtual swimmers, and so I think Tracy. That Tracy basically helped me test it out. Tracy and one of my swimmers in um, in New Brunswick were the ones that kind of helped me like see what we could possibly do. So it was a lot of capturing footage and figuring out how to get it into my space and Coach Now so that. She could take a look at it and give me feedback and recommendations on what cues were working or not working or what I could be thinking about instead or where I should focus my attention in in my next practices. So you
1: would take video of yourself in the pool, send that to Tracy through this app called Coach Now. Tracy would look at the video, provide you some feedback. You'd talk about these things called cues, which were areas for you to put your attention when you're in the pool and that's how the training would happen
0: yep and then i would try anything i've missed in that summary
1: and you try to get to the pool
0: to to go implement basically um and then get more footage so the cycle repeats itself right it's an iterative process Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah i was curious in reading some of your notes shannon and I really was struck by the quote when you said something like um, uh, swim mastery taught you to have a new appreciation for your relationship with and how you spent time in the water. I'm quoting you a little bit here. It honed your practice, teaching your brain to find efficient shapes and tuning your acuity for consistently achieving them. I think you then went on to say it was new and it was exciting. Does that still feel like an accurate reflection of this coaching process that you had with Tracy?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was yeah. a very different way of thinking about my time in the water. I mean, I've always appreciated my relationship with the water. I think I started talking about being a water relationship coach even before coming to Swim Mastery, just having worked with swimmers at all different levels of comfort with the water. And I feel like that's very much what we're working with people to do. But getting people that especially i think when working with swimmers who have a longer history of swimming and maybe higher expectations of what they want to be doing to get them to slow down and really think about their body and what they're doing and that it isn't just getting to the other side it isn't seeing what the clock says necessarily when you get back to the wall it's like what were you doing between here and there? That's a lot more of what we should be focusing on. Anything you want to add to that, Tracy?
2: I think that working in this way also takes away the boredom that a lot of swimmers associate with swim training. I don't know how often I hear That swimming is boring and swimming in a pool is boring. And um, I think that working with cues and tempo sets and stroke counting in the way we do really alleviates that boredom. It kind of serves two purposes because it alleviates the boredom, but it also creates a completely different stroke. You know, if I look back at the videos, that Shannon started sending, you know, when, when we first started, that sent me when we first started compared to, I think it was two months in and I I was just like, Oh my goodness. I, you know, it's amazing what you can do if you have a swimmer and, you know, this was all on Shannon who is so focused and so determined to, to change her stroke that she literally changed her stroke before my very eyes using, you know, using the cues and, and being, um, and putting it into practice and, and kind of trusting the process. It was, it was fascinating to watch.
0: Did you know that there's more to swimming than just putting one arm in front of the other? You've developed a series of habits over your time in the water. How are those habits serving you? If you'd like to swim faster but feel like nothing you do in your training helps or perhaps you're inspired to swim further but it doesn't seem possible Let me know. You are biologically wired for change, but you can't do the same thing that you've always done. It's time for something different. I've created a six-week program to rewire your brain to swim freestyle efficiently, suitable for any level of swimmer. Check out intrepidwater.com to find out more about my introduction to freestyle fundamentals, self-paced, and group coaching programs. Or email me for details. Shannon at intrepidwater.com.
1: Actually, really inspiring to listen to it. Makes me want to go and jump in the pool and learn some more about these cues. Um, Where my mind's also going, because I remember this was something you mentioned right at the beginning um, of our interview, Shannon, is what was going on for the shoulder pain during this process of training for the Lake George swim? What was happening with that?
0: I would say even from within the fundamentals program before I kind of got Tracy to help make the commitment to coaching and moving forward with the plan for Lake George, um, as soon as I learned how to move my shoulder, or I guess it, uh, my scapula, because I don't swim with my shoulders anymore, I swim with my <laughs> scapula, <laughs> as soon as I learned, as soon as I learned that. Um, I, I think specifically because of uh, Tracy's uh, emphasis and um, the importance of keeping our swimmers safe, and you know, bringing that to the front of my mind, and me realizing that, because like, I can remember doing dry land rehearsals in the course and. She's saying, well, don't do this if you have if you have shoulder issues. And I'm like, well, I don't know that I have issues. I just only if I'm swimming a long time and I <laughs> might need an Advil or whatever. <laughs> do, do I actually have shoulder issues? Because you kind of maybe think you might not. But basically the, the attention to the just finding yourself in your body and finding your scapula and using your scapula to swim instead of trying to overpower the water with our shoulder and our little baby shoulder muscles. I didn't have shoulder pain anymore. And if I did, I knew I checked out, basically. (laughs) I checked out for a stroke. So once I kind (laughs) of trained, my built-in neural pathways to not check out, I didn't have any problems with my shoulders anymore.
1: That's a really, really great outcome.
0: And I think
1: I'll, I'll turn my attention to you now, Tracy. Not everyone has the benefit of working with a coach who is focused on putting the body in positions that avoid injury. If there was a tip that you could give swimmers about how to protect, let's use shoulders as an example, what would your biggest tip be?
2: Wow, (laughs) that's a a tricky question. Um, I think uh, I'm going to just say the one that first popped into my head and that is to really swim with a wide arm recovery. I think that would be my top tip, but I'd have a very close second top tip if I was allowed one, but some wide. You're allowed one. You're allowed one. I'm allowed one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You're allowed one. To
2: really, to really think about sending your energy forwards rather than overextending. So a lot of shoulder injury comes from the the arm recovery going behind the body line. So getting that wide will really, really help the swimmer. And then when they extend under the water, a lot of shoulder injury comes through the overextension. So where swimmers are really trying to reach as far as they can. So I would offer them to really focus on where their energy is going and be able to send that energy forward, which will feel like much less of a reach for them. And that would put their body into a much safer position. So those would be my two. Thank you very much. Okay, let's talk
1: about the swim, Shannon. I'm going to ask you to cast your mind back to 23rd of August, and it's time for you to make your Lake George crossing. So, in this moment, Tracy, where are you in the world
2: when Shannon's at the edge of the lake, about to commence her swim? So, I was in Hawaii working on an open water camp with with other swimmers and. I think the moment that she was about to start, we were just sitting down to do video analysis in the foyer of, a, of the hotel with with our group of swimmers. So I think that was the moment when I got the text from, from someone on Shannon's boat to say that she's gone. And it gives me goosebumps now. It gave me goosebumps then and it gives me goosebumps now.
1: As her coach, what are you thinking about in that moment or hoping for or where's your mind? as as one of your swimmers attempts a, a swim like this 100 kilometers remember because that's the goal
2: so no one actually knew that that was the goal um except for a, a a few a little handful of of people um but in that moment i feel like almost and i say this to 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 a lot of my swimmers after um after their swims i feel like i'm literally with them in the water and i'm just egging them on and i'm just you know thinking about all the cues that I've told them and stuff So, So that's what I'm thinking. And I am just like, I don't know, it's, I'm just willing and just hoping that the cuticles are going forward and the rotation is great. And you know, the, there's a nice wide arm recovery and yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm there as much as I possibly can be a million miles away <laughs> and keeping updated um, with people on the boat, which I am. I so appreciate Shannon's crew doing because it's a big thing for me. I don't know if this is for all coaches, but for me, I want to know what's going on. I want to know if they're safe. I want to know, you know, I, I always offer the, I, the, the idea that if, if something's happening and they can send me some footage, I can send some cues to, to help along the swim and stuff. So, yeah, I like to be as involved as the swimmer or the crew allow me to be.
1: And what about for you, Shannon, in that moment when you're about to set off on the swim, where's your attention
0: before getting in the water (laughs) there was Mm -hmm. yeah there was a lot of imposter syndrome um of like who do I think I am why do I think I could possibly do this knowing that I hadn't I had really only done technique work other than one five-hour swim a month prior I yeah fear doubt all the things, and just trying to hold it all in (laughs) and so that I could get to the water. We were waiting for the weather to pass, and it was hard.
1: (laughs) Wow. Well, isn't there that saying that success is like 80% psychology, 20% strategy? Mm -hmm. And if that's true, what were some of the things that you were doing in order to set yourself up for success for your swim? And it could have been before, during, midway through. What are some of the things that your listeners may, might want to be curious about or know more
0: about? A couple things come to mind. Earlier in the year, I had um, pulled a T-shirt out of the bottom of my T-shirt bin because there's too many in there. And um, it happened to be from the, in 2020, like the Lake George um, there's a group of swimmers there put on a virtual Lake George Marathon swim, and it kind of helped people get through the, you know, through the pandemic, get out swimming. And I had happened to have participated in that, in the needing to get out and do something, get off my butt <laughs> during the 2020 year. And I'd gotten a t-shirt and medal and all the swag they get, they gave for those that virtual event. And earlier in that year, probably in January or February of last year, I pulled that t-shirt out and I started wearing it to bed every night, but well, not every night oh, wow. I washed it sometimes. And then I'd cycle <laughs> it back around, uh-huh. but it, but it's, I believe very strongly in that, that mental, that mental energy that's going towards your goal. I had even set aside a swimsuit that I, that I, it was like a sale swimsuit I'd gotten from Swim Outlet that showed up and was a little brighter orange and green than I was really thinking. But I was like, you know what, that would probably be a good swim, and but it fit well and it was comfortable. And it's like, that looks like a good swimsuit for Lake George. I'm just going to set that aside. But it's like I had already basically committed to being there, you know, and I'd already was looking at the lake on my t-shirt <laughs> the night before bed. And then there was some other later on in the year, I'd found a t-shirt from my um, high school athletic director, gave us before a state meet, whatever. So there's so there's all kinds of little things like that that I that I do to just kind of put my energy in the right direction mm-hmm. without with not I, even having remember- to do the swimming energy, right? This is just the mental energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and
1: and that comment that you mentioned that your crew said immediately before you started the swim, go and talk to some of the spectators and your fans that are there. And I think you had a conversation and you might be better at relaying this than what I've read. With two little girls. And do you want to tell the listeners what they said to you? Because I found that truly inspiring.
0: Oh my gosh. It was such a, like, exactly what I needed at that moment. <laughs> because I'm just like sitting, like, what do I want to do? There's people watching me. I'm not comfortable <laughs> in this situation. It's not somewhere I put myself very often, <laughs> just once a year. <laughs> <laughs> there's two little girls were um, just, um, with the way, the way you started, like George, you get off the boat and go to the, there's a wall of a, of a pier of a public pier and, um, put you start, you start with your hand on the wall. And these two little girls are just looking at me. Like, I don't, I can't remember. I mean, I'm all white covered in dust 10 and I've got my goggles and cap on. Cause I've gotten in the water and I had to swim this maybe 15 yards, 20 yards over to this, uh, wall. And, um, I don't remember if they, they didn't like ask what I was doing. It was obviously I was doing some kind of crazy swimming thing, but one of these little girls just pipes up and she says, my mommy tells me every day that I'm courageous and I can do hard things. And I was just like, your mom is absolutely right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful.
0: And then I, I just, I was like, okay, this is a, I'm not much of a small talker. This is a good time for some small talk. I can do kids. Like I'm pretty good at chatting with kids. So it's like, how old are you? And she's like, I, I was almost going to say six, but I just turned seven last week. And it's like, really? I have a six-year-old at home. And anyway, it was awesome. (laughs) Totally cracked like the, you know, that all of, I got to not be the person getting ready to swim for a few minutes. I just got to be a person talking to a little girl and on the side of the dock, and it was perfect.
1: It reminds me of that saying that when the, the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And in that moment, along comes this little girl who says, you can do hard things. Probably just at that moment when the imposter syndrome is truly setting in. <laughs> So what a beautiful gift for your crew to go, go and talk to your fans and then for you to find this little girl that gives you such a powerful message. Mm-hmm. It, it's a beautiful story. So in relation to the swim, then what insights or lessons do you think would be most useful? For other people who are first attempting a marathon swim or maybe have done a marathon swim before and want to do their next step up distance, what kind of learnings, insights, lessons could you impart to others?
0: My big one from this, my big learning from this one is to to test your feed strategy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And
1: Even so we'll have done. you, sorry, um, what's a feed strategy for the naive person like Melissa Donaldson? What What is the feed strategy about?
0: So um, when we're swimming longer and longer distances, of course, we need to find a way to keep our energy up. And conventionally, a lot of marathon swimmers will use like CarboPro or some other kind of just add water mix thing that travels really well and that you can quickly just add water. And you can add more or less water for more or less calories for each feed and every person. What I would recommend to any marathon storm getting started is to find a find a feed and and test like basically how much you need. My story is probably too long and complicated for for this <laughs> podcast about about feeding, but I had tried a product called UCAN for a while and um, had gotten so kind of uncomfortably bloated with using it in to my Tahoe swims. And mind you, I eat a lot of whole foods and don't do a lot of just add water powder things. So I never really train or practice just eating these just add water shakes. And I'm thinking maybe I need to start doing, figuring out what my feed strategy is, but testing it just on a day to day basis. What if I had two days of? eating nothing, but whatever I was going to feed on. Um, even if I don't have the opportunity to go to a lake and do it, which would of course be the ideal situation, which was my plan in my yeah. training was to do some lakeside feed, feed strategizing, and it didn't materialize this, this particular year. So yeah. So my recommendation would be, even if you don't have the opportunity to go do it in a lake, which is an ideal situation, I tell my swimmers to, you know, practice feeding next to a kayak. If, if you're going to be swimming next to a kayak, if you're going to kayak, you're gonna be swimming next to a boat, find a friend with a boat or go rent a boat to practice feeding with a boat because it's important to get that experience. I had done all that in past swims, but going into this swim, I definitely wanted to avoid the bloat and discomfort because it is just horribly uncomfortable on top of just swimming and what a general fatigue to just have this gastrointestinal discomfort that I, I guess I'm not used to on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. I, going into this swim, I ended up bringing a lot of kind of whole foods, maybe in the sense of Fritos or whole foods, you know, you know, I know I need electrolytes. I know I need carbohydrates. I know I need some kind of lasting protein, but I wasn't very clear with my, well, what I told my crew going in was that like, I gave them, showed them all my food and I kind of had a loose plan, but I told them that they could be creative. <laughs> And they were creative, but at the end of the day, I wasn't getting enough, basically simple, easy to digest carbohydrates. I was getting lots of food, but probably things that were harder to digest. So the suspicion is when I exited the lake halfway back or not halfway back, six miles after six miles on the way after the turn was that I, uh, probably my body was shutting down because I wasn't getting enough calories. So definitely okay. yeah. practicing. A good feed strategy is my biggest lesson from this swim.
1: So actually going into the open water and having the foods that you intend to have at the intervals, you intend to have them before you do the swim. So yeah. y- you actually, cl- you, you crossed the lake, you achieved the crossing of the lake, and then you turned and came back and your hunch is what, because of, because you didn't test your feed strategy your body started to shut down sometime after you turned or sometime into the swim
0: yeah well i think um the the water was quite warm up around Ticonderoga, where diana's rock where we turn and I, at first it was kind of annoyingly warm but then i started kind of enjoying the warmth and then i after i turned around and was heading back and then i got to where this water which was um 24 25 comfortable it was comfortable 75 I was starting yeah. to get shivers, and then I also couldn't. My stroke, my stroke rate dropped down from like forty-five to forty strokes per minute, yeah. and um, and my crew, my observers were like, "Come on, you got to mm-hmm. pick up your stroke rate," and I, I couldn't will my arms around any faster. Tracy, anything
1: you want to add in relation to the comments that? Um, Shannon is making about feed strategies or types of foods or or anything to do with kind of her biggest inf- insight from that swim?
2: Yeah I, I I think we spoke about the feeding quite a number of times over the kind of six month period that we worked together and I knew that that Shannon wanted to find a, an alternative strategy to those that she'd had before. What I would like to add is that Shannon got really sick six weeks before the swim and that was going to be the time, you know, where we had planned and and she had planned to just sort of up the ante a bit and test both distance or more time in water and also her feed strategy. So I think that um, that played a big part in what actually happened when when you got to the swim. Um, I'm not sure if you agree, Shannon, but it kind of took a good four or five weeks out of, out of your training plan in your, in your head more than anything else. It, yeah. I don't think it affected your stroke at all, but I think from, from doing those things like testing, feeding and, and stuff just weren't possible because you, you were, you were pretty ill.
0: Yeah. That's a big part of this last swim story. That's that we, yeah. <laughs> mentioned yeah. previously it's, it was a, uh, it felt like a, a big setback. And I think mentally I was still training um, the visualization and the things I guess that I normally would be doing, but it was, but it's incredibly discouraging when you're up all night coughing, which was what, I mean, what started as yeah. fatigue and um, just kind of general malaise turned to uh, just a nagging cough that I couldn't hack. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I could hack it. I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, there was a, and I was trying to rest my body, like forcing myself to rest. So I just wasn't swimming at all, just because I was I like,
2: "Don't I'm swim! You're not allowed swim. to swim this week." Want <laughs> to get better, wanting to get better,
1: <laughs> and and so that was a contributing factor. And I guess where what I want to come back to is the massive achievement that you did make. So, what was your final distance Incredible. that you swam and? The final number of hours that you were in the water for for this swim
0: It was um, thirty-six miles, which I think we said was sixty wow.
2: kilometers. Is that right? And twenty, yeah, fifty-nine point eight kilometers. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> wow! And how many hours?
0: Twenty-two hours, twenty, 20 minutes,
1: twenty. So just and twenty minutes, <laughs> and twenty minutes. Wow! Very important. <laughs> So Tracy, I hear that and it blows me away. As a coach, you've trained Shannon, you've seen this incredible result at the end. How does it make you feel hearing that, knowing that you have
2: a swimmer that's
1: capable of incredible things?
2: Well, just unbelievably proud. Um, Just unbelievably proud. And for me me as, as the coach, I'm probably the proudest the moment they get in the water at the start of the swim for me that's and and I remember we had we had several conversations leading up to the swim and to be able to to be trusted to go on a journey as big as you know the some of the journeys that my swimmers go on but particularly with Shannon for two reasons one because it was the biggest swim of, of any swimmer that I had coached and it was the uh, the only time that I was ever gonna coach a swimmer, swimmer that I had never even met in person. And those two things for me and what transpired as a result of this relationship between coach and swimmer and the coach now app and the video analysis and the you know, talks and stuff was absolutely mind blowing for me as a coach and has taught me so many things. But the proudest moment for me was the moment I got the text saying that she had left the wall. Anything after that was just an, an enormous bonus. And, I, I mean, I was with you the whole time, so you know. <laughs> and I was checking my phone and it was just amazing when I when you know when I found out that you had turned that was a huge a huge huge milestone and when I found that you'd you know done your your 59.8 kilometers and my you know it just it 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 made me want to just burst with proud and awe just absolutely in awe of what of what you did especially under the circumstances I think that's what I really want listeners to know is is the circumstances weren't quite as either of us had hoped. And even so, you did this most incredible swim. Just, yeah, in awe. Amazing. Absolutely.
1: Shannon, what are you most proud of about your swim?
0: I think I'm most proud of the, the last six miles (laughs) that when I didn't Mm -hmm. know when I went through a lot of emotional contortions and things that on the way that I definitely got to a point on the swim to when I decided I wasn't going to make the turn and I and I told my crew and I then like it's the only thing I could think about and I and then once I turned around, I was like I wanted to just be able to free my mind of this whole thing about turning, and I wanted to just like enjoy the swimming. So, but I got to the point of swimming where I really, I really was just trying to get to the next feed and sending my energy forward and sending my energy forward, and like that. I think the focus coming around to the actual answer to your question is the the amount of focus I was able to put on sending my energy i guess forward to whichever side of like <laughs> i was going to and and that and to just i guess to just keep just to keep doing it like when i think back on it it was like a it hardly seemed like any time at all in like 22 hours doesn't seem that long but it, wow. it's huge <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's absolutely massive unbelievable and i think you've coined a new, a new term for um marathon swimmers, because I've heard it said that they say you swim feed to feed, Mm. but I think Shannon's new quote is it's feed to feed sending the energy forward. Mm, Um, So (laughs) a new term that you've coined. So we're going to wrap up in a few moments here, but Shannon, you first. What's next in the Shannon swim journey?
0: Yeah, this, this year I'm tackling... I'm trying to, I guess I've kind of taken a lot of pressure off myself in coining marathon swims events. And so I, I think I've done a lot kind of psychologically to back myself away from like race and competition and like that, that mindset. Cause I don't always like the person that I am in kind of a competition kind of perspective. And in that doing, I think I've taken, I've my swimming is very just slow and comfortable. And this year I'm going to mm-hmm. tackle some swims that might be colder and it'll be beneficial to be moving a little bit faster and to improve yeah. my oxygen exchange. And um, so I'm attempting SCAR, the four-day swim for like 44 some odd miles in April. And in August, I'll be attempting Loch Ness.
1: Oh, wow. Well, we wish you all the best. Maybe we can have another podcast and and talk about your achievements in that swim. Um, How about for you, Tracy? for you as a person, your swimming or swim mastery, what's next?
2: I have a whole lot uh, on the table for this year. It's a very exciting year. There's a lot of movement going on with Swim Mastery. We're doing lots of coach training courses this year, which is very exciting. We're introducing our high performance coach training level. We're introducing our advanced instructor kids teacher training level, which will be great off the back of the success of the fundamentals kids instructor course last year. We will be doing pocket PDs around the world. We're going to be doing open water camps I'm going to be hopefully still doing lots and lots of virtual coaching with people especially Shannon I'm going to do my best to be somewhere near Loch Loch Ness in in August and my biggest aim for 2023 right now is I will I want to meet Shannon in person (laughs) so whatever (laughs) I have to do this year to make that work I'm going to make it work (laughs)
1: nice nice and tracy where can people find you if they want to know more about swim mastery or about you and the type of coaching that swim mastery coaches do what's the best place for them to reach out to you
2: they can reach out to us on our website which is swimmastery.online is probably the the best place
1: great thanks and shannon if people want more information about you because you're also a coach and the sort of work that you do in your experiences, what's the best place for them to find you?
0: I think I'm everywhere as is Swim Mastery, but um, intrepidwater.com or at intrepidwater on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram.
1: Great. And my final question to both of you, I'm compiling a playlist of songs. If you could choose a song to, to put on this playlist that I'm compiling from podcasts, what would your song be and why?
0: You want to go first, Tracy? Okay, I'll go first.
2: So the song that I would choose, it was the—it's the it's the first song that came to mind, is called Out of the Shadows by Cut One. And I feel that the reason for me choosing that song is it feels like a year of coming out of the shadows in many, many ways and moving forwards Sending energy forwards. It's, it's my favorite saying. And I think that song is perfect.
1: <laughs> I need that to be on the playlist because I'm not sure I've heard that one. So I'm going to go and have a listen to it. Thank you, Tracy. How about awesome. for you, Shannon?
0: Um, the song that came to mind for mm-hmm. me was one, I don't even know how I stumbled onto it, quite frankly, but it was somewhere in my visualization for this last year's swim. It's uh, Try Everything by Shakira. What? I like that song. Yeah, very, nice. very much. Um, there's a part in there where she says something about turning around and doing it again. And so it was very much to get me motivated to that, <laughs> for that turn.
1: <laughs> wow, that's great. Thank you so much. I've, I've had a hoot being the interviewer on this podcast. So firstly, Shannon, thank you for letting me do that on your podcast and for being here and sharing your experiences, your wisdoms, where you're going next with the listeners today. And to you, Tracy, thank you for the tips and the techniques. And, um, yeah, your really open conversation about, uh, what you found useful as you were coaching Shannon. And my hope for both of you is you get to see each other in person sooner rather than later. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> thank you guys.
0: Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our recap of my Lake George swim. As promised, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Swim Mastery. You can read more about it and find a coach if you're looking for a coach near you at swimmastery.online. Swim Mastery is a global community of coaches and swimmers. We have about 60 coaches and we're growing all the time. And hundreds of swimmers around the world who are pursuing mastery in the art of swimming within a wide range of personal goals. Everything from learning to swim to swimming across channels, or in my case, lakes. And I think what sets swim mastery apart is some of the additional information that's brought into thinking about a whole swimmer, including their physics, their physiology, their psychology and tailoring the swimming training and performance to each individual swimmer rather than trying to make you swim like somebody else. We try to make you swim the best that you can within your ability and support you on a lifetime pursuit of mastery of swimming. If you're looking for some virtual coaching, At Intrepid Water, I teach the Swim Mastery Principles as a six-week self-paced course or a group course where I introduce you to these six fundamentals of efficient freestyle. In the self-paced course, you walk through it on your own, and I support you with emails and messages. In the group course, we meet weekly. And stand up and find our shapes on land. I'll let you take them to the water in your own time. And then we come back each week and reflect on our practice and talk about new shapes and what's next. The principles build on each other in a really logical manner. And anyone can benefit from the fundamentals at any stage of swimming I would love to hear from you. If you are interested in any of my courses, you can read more about them at intrepidwater.com or you can always drop me an email, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you were inspired by even just a moment of this story, please share it with a friend. You never know what might push someone out of their comfort zone so that they can find out what they're capable of. And please leave a review with your podcast provider. It truly helps others discover the raw and honest stories of these amazing endurance swimmers. Thanks for listening.